podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Eddie Gibbs and welcome to Off The Wall, the podcast here on Anfield Index. We like to give you a small taste of some of the content available over on the paywall side of the channel at Anfield Index Pro. Now, we just gave you part one of the David Fairclough story and of course we're going to come on to part two and the stories around Super Sub and uh, what happened to David in his later days uh, at Anfield and his career after moving on from Liverpool as well. So we'll we'll have that coming up. Uh, There's also... Some other two-part interviews with Legends of the Club uh, on this channel, all available for free. Uh, Trev's already done two-part interviews with Jan Mulby, Paul Walsh, Mark Lawrence and John Aldridge and John Walk, and you can go listen to all of them. Uh, something to ease the, the doom of lockdown, if you like. Uh, some very insightful and engaging content with the guys there. And uh, for AI Pro subscribers... Uh, since lockdown, we've recorded two-part interviews with Steve McMahon, with Jason McAteer, and with Phil Thompson as well. And the two-parters of those are all out on the uh, paywall side right now. There's loads of content. We're still trying to do around one show per day on the paywall side. And uh, it's actually quite interesting to see how we can develop content without the time constraints, without the matches that uh, are taking place. And you've already got uh, Jan Mulby's on every week, uh, some really good nostalgic shows with Jan that Trev's recording just now. There's AI Scouted, Dave Hendrick, Carl Matchett. The guys are, uh, are churning out content at a fascinating rate looking at all the... Uh, teams in the Premier League and what they might be doing uh, once a summer season or transfer window season madness uh, effectively ensues. So we'll have that to look forward to as well. But the guys do give their views on what teams uh, Liverpool's rivals may be doing uh, over the coming uh, months. There's uh, Scouser Tommies. You can go and listen to Jim Boardman and uh, Mike Nevin talking all things uh, on a local angle, and Jim's obviously conducting some backstories just now with Anfield Index Pro contributors. There's never been a better time for us as a channel to be doing content like that, where uh, there's not this timeline on uh, on matches that affects the uh, the content. We're trying to make the content as timeless as possible so that people can dip in and out of air at any time. To enjoy everything that's on Anfield Index Pro, you can do so now absolutely free for 30 days instead of the usual seven days. Yes, we know because this content's timeless, because people have probably got a bit less time to listen to podcasts than they have previously with no work commutes and such like that, that we need to give people a bit longer of a free trial to to drink up everything that we're doing on Anfield Index Pro. So that's why we've made the trial, trial 30 days instead of the usual seven, but And once you partake in the 30-day trial, there is zero obligation to continue after the trial period. You can cancel at any point, but if you do decide to stick around, and of course we hope you will, then the cost is only £3.49 per month or £39.99 per year. So even better value on the annual option. So today on Off the Wall, we're going to go to part two of the David Fairclough story. And in the second part, Trev asks for some in-depth knowledge about the exploits that led to his reputation as the super sub and the result burden that reputation brought with it david is very open in his difficult relationship with bob paisley and tells trev about those transitional days at millwood when bill shankly was still turning up uh training whilst uh, bob paisley was in charge of some absolutely funny stories and uh 
quite sad in some ways how things transpired there, but great insight from someone who was who was there to tell the story. The conversation then moves on to look at the frustration of David's latter years at Anfield as he struggled to get in the team behind us, uh, Kenny Dalglish and Ian Rush, having previously uh, tried to dislodge Toshak and Keegan. <laughs> so, uh, so quite a uh, so quite unique insight from David's position at the club, shall we say. Uh, we love your feedback, I always say it, and the best way to give us that feedback is on Anfield Index's Discord community. It's completely free to join, and you can do so at anfieldindex.com forward slash Discord, which is D-I-S-C-O-R-D. Alternatively, do come and give us your thoughts on Facebook. Just search for Anfield Index, or on Twitter, we're at Anfield Index or Anfield Index Pro. So here is part two of the David Fairclough story in the company of Trevor Downey. Hello and welcome to part two of the interview with Trevor Downey. Today's subject is David Fairclough. And in the first half, we heard all about David's origins as a footballer in Liverpool. We heard about his introduction to the club. We listened to him as he told us about those early days training and the big personalities that he encountered and his breakthrough into the first team. And I suppose, David, if it's okay with you, we might just take it up straight away from there. But there are a couple of little places I'd like to go and we'll see how it goes for you almost immediately. And I suppose, you know what? Let's get it out of the way early because I guess uh, in this particular um, series that I'm doing, I like to just have a conversation with the people that steers clear of all the cliches and all the subject matter that you probably are mm. bored, bored rigid talking about. Um, and, you know, obviously the thing we need to address is the title of your book, your, your nickname. And I, I want to come at it maybe from the perspective of your own personal thoughts about it as it emerged. I mean, um, you know, like one of the greatest moments many Liverpool fans have ever witnessed at Anfield. You're a legendary win, uh, winner, which you, which you mentioned at the end of, of part one there in, in, the, the, in reference to the mural on the wall. Um, you know, a winner at the Cop End against St. Etienne in the European Cup. Um, such a fabulous moment. And in the immediate aftermath of that, you've got on ITV, you've got Gerald Sinstad talking about super sub strikes again. And I read, and again, this could be completely wrong, but I did read that uh, in the immediate celebration, um, Kevin Keegan's referring to you as that on the pitch. Um, yeah. Talk, Very talk strange. To- Talk to me about that and how it made you feel. Um, I mean, in, in one ways I can see how it'd be wonderful, but in other ways I can see that you might feel from an early day, hang on here, I'm, I'm more than that. Yeah, the, the super sub tag had already been given. Um, you know, we mentioned before my, my goal against Everton, I scored two against Burnley. Um, uh, so I, and, and with the goal against Norwich, I'd four, Liverpool scored four league goals over three games, and I scored all four of them. And uh, and that's when the, the super sub tag was was given. It, it appeared in print. I think it was the Daily Post, which is the Liverpool it was the Liverpool morning paper in those days, mm. uh, was, was the first one to use it. So, you know, like like any kid that's coming through in those days, I kept a scrapbook, and you 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 know you take the cutting, you know you take your cuttings and stuff, and it's great to see. These, um, you know, the, this drama, you know, you get the, 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 the limelight and, and, and everything. And I thought Super Sub didn't think anything more of it. Um, I certainly didn't think that we would be talking all these years later, um, you know, about how it's, how it's lived on. It, it, it's really is amazing because I thought it was a bit of a hindrance early on in my career. There's, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind. It was how people perceive me. You know, I, I might come on as substitute, not score, 
and and people would make a reference to it and say this time you know um whatever he couldn't do it and whatever you know I, I didn't score a lot of people had this image that every time i came on i scored it, it wasn't quite that way um which it was but um and then sometimes i play 90 minutes and even if if people you know hadn't had their best game you know and i i maybe i was one of them that was often included you know but he wasn't as effective as he, you know, they might throw in. Wasn't as effective as he as he normally is coming on with 15 minutes to go. That type of thing. So the, the idea was always in in the head that it was I was pigeonholed, and uh, and I found that very difficult and, and hard to take. And I thought to myself at that, at that point that I'd, I'd, I wish I'd never heard of the super sub sort of scenario. Um, but. It, it, it's something that, that I had a little bit of a knack of, uh, of doing. It was something that happened in a number of situations afterwards as well. I came on and scored substitute, uh, substitute for, for other teams. Um, so, and who can explain why, why, you know, why it happens really? Um, I suppose, as you say, at the time, there's limited media. And so if somebody's running with a headline, that's going to take hold. And then it probably didn't help, David, that you've got, as you mentioned, these two, you know, superstar, real stellar sort of footballers in Keegan and Emlyn Hughes, both coming out with quotes along the lines of, you know, they, you, talking about how you're great. Dave's a bit of a secret weapon, uh, Emlyn Hughes said. Um, he'll often start a match, he play for 90 minutes and might do anything, then he'll come on as a substitute and score with the most amazing goal ever. And that kind of thing gets into people's heads as well, whether it's true or not. And yeah. As we've said, oftentimes footballers are not the best guys to be commentating on football matches. Um, yeah. It depends, you know, it, it, it isn't always given to a good footballer to be a good analyst. And did that kind of thing rankle with you as a young man, listening to yourself being kind of pigeonholed so early? Yeah, a, li- a little bit. You know, Bob Paisley told told tells a story, told a story some years later. You know, they were playing, we were playing Manchester City, wasn't going our way. I brought David Fairclough on. He scored two and made one for Stevie Highway, and we ended up winning the game three nil. I started that game. I played number eight the whole of the game, and that's how you know it, it was. Wow. It, players okay. did players did play. You know, they they kind of went with the the little you know the the the, the tail, the you know the fisherman's tail or whatever, whatever it was. It was it, it made it made for a story, and um, and I didn't take it sort of. Um, Personally, from the from the players, because I knew I knew you know what I was capable of doing, um, but I, I just wanted to get that run. Really, I wanted Bob Paisley to to appreciate it more than than anybody else. It, you know, the players thing wasn't. I never. I didn't really take much much attention to. It. You couldn't read all the newspapers. You know, you've heard it many times down. You know, it, it, people in all kinds of sports. You say they don't read the newspapers. You do, you do read a little bit of it. You know, and as I say, I had that time when I was, you know, uh, keeping a little bit of a scrapbook, but you only, you only read the papers when you did well, you know, and you didn't really, you didn't used to, you, you'd rarely read them if, 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 you know, you'd done something that you weren't, you know, happy with or proud of. Yeah, and I, I mean, it seems completely silly to mention that. And we'll go on and talk about your your your, your um, interactions with Paisley as we go on, because I'm very interested in that. But it, we can't just bring up that Sadatian uh, goal without going into some details of the positive side of it, because, like I say, in the in the in the in the setup there, I mean, it is for a lot of a lot of Liverpool fans one of their outstanding memories. And even guys like me who might not have been old enough to remember it live, um, we are sort of 
if we're as immersed in the club as I am, painfully aware of it. It's, it's something that you go and search out. You want to read more and more about. And to set it up for people, I mean, this is this is a massive goal um, for for a young man to score. I mean, you're coming on for Toshak. You know, it was what 74 minutes gone. Six. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, you, 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 uh, actually even less, or even less time left. I think you, 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 Ray Kenny lobs it forward, and 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 you're on to it. I mean, but it, it's it's far from simple. You have so much to do. Mm. Can you can you talk us through your memories of that? Like, I mean, or do you have any actually genuine memories of the night? Oh, I remember the night. I remember the whole day. I mean, um, I did it in the book. I can I could tell you the whole. Day. I could tell you the whole day. It's like like people. I recall down the years, you know, it's explained. It's been explained to me what what happens. Like it's this, like um, I don't know. I can't can't find the words, but it, you know, you, you when when certain things happen in history, you do remember what you know what happened. You know where you were and what you did and all that type of stuff. And Centennial Day is so so vivid in my mind. Not not just the moment of the goal because that's been replayed so many times on television. But what I did from from even waking up to to go into bed at the, the, the end of the day, the whole the whole 24 hours was is, is etched in, in in my memory. It's, in, it's incredible. Um, so down the years, so many people have recalled. You know, and barely a day goes by when somebody doesn't mention Saint Etienne. Then they, you know, people recall it so fondly. It's a massive memory for for anybody who was there. Because at the end of the day, it was an incredible football match. They were a fantastic team. We were a, a growing team, um, and it was it was a really watershed moment for Liverpool. You know, getting past Saint Etienne, I mean, sparked off an awful lot of the things to follow. You know, getting to our first European Cup final and all those things. So. For those reasons, I think people just remember it as such a, you know, such a, me- a moment and a memory. And um, and I say they have all these weird and wonderful, you know, things. Some I've, I've spoke to people who listened to it on a, who were young lads. They were they were in bed listening to it on the on the radio under the pillows. Um, I've spoken to to people who were locked out and they've had they recall their memories. And then people who who were lucky enough to get in there. Because it was just, it was unique. You, you just don't get, you know, those things don't happen to you in your, very often in a lifetime. And you you spoke about, um, uh, you know, the impact it had on people. And I suppose for a, a more modern audience, probably like um, Gerard's goal against Olympiacos would be a similar mm-hmm. thing in terms of what that did. Um, in the context of it, you, you guys, it was too old. You had to score. Um, it was a similar sort of a setup. There was the clock was ticking. A goal had to be scored. And mm. and at the end of the campaign, there's a there's a European Cup there, which makes it all the more relevant and significant and, and meaningful. But I mean, is if it, it, you're, you're a man who who's obviously very very uh, familiar with the atmosphere at Anfield, and um, obviously you're going to be a little bit biased because you're in the middle of it, but. People do talk about that one particular night as being sort of particularly memorable. That the 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 levels of passion in the crowd were quite unrivaled. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I wasn't there for for Inter Milan, I say, um, but um, Sensei was was extraordinary. It was it was you know it was raw. It was it was nothing. There was nothing manufactured about it. You know, these days we have. You know, the, the Champions League music and all these different things and all the hubbub and everything. What you got that night was pure sort of people enthusiasm and passion for Liverpool Football Club. And we'd never seen so many foreign supporters at Anfield before. They, 
you know, their fans came over. They were, they were renowned as being passionate themselves. So they come all over. They're all dressed in green and they got these luminous green wigs and things like that. The scene was just, you know, it was, it was a first. It never been, you know, they, the, the fans knocked the gates down. There was this, this surge to, to get into Anfield. Never happened before. It, it was never allowed to happen again. That you know, they, ne- they were never caught by su- by surprise. It just seemed to overwhelm people that they some this this had the makings of you know of a, of a great moment. Uh, we were at the hotel in in the Adelphi on the on the day, and and we and rather than have tea and toast as we normally would have before before the game, we said no time for tea and toast. We've got to get to the we've got to go up to the ground earlier because. Of the, the the crowd, there's been a report that, that, that there's you know a massive crowd, and there's difficulty getting into uh, getting up to Anfield. So we had to, you know, we had to get on the road and and come up to Anfield. So all the players are wondering, you know, what's it going to be like? It was absolutely madness. It was a real madness, and it wasn't manufactured. You know, it it grabbed everybody's imagination. You didn't need, have social media to say let's get to the ground early, and uh, people just reacted, and it was. You know, it was something, you know, very, very fortunate to be a part of. I think, I, I suppose it's a little bit further on from the days of the, the swaying cop that we used to see in those old documentaries, but still, nonetheless, it would have been a very similar attitude and, and, and atmosphere, no doubt. I mean, that's enough. But you, inc- ne- you never saw the cop like this, Trevor. I mean, the, the cop, I remember we went on the pitch, which was unusual before European games. Normally it was only the team went on, that went onto the pitch. And this night, the substitutes went onto the pitch as well. And I remember right. standing with Brian Kettle, who was, um, who was one of the substitutes on the night, and the cop with those red flares in there on that night, the flags. I'd never seen so many flags. And I'd been to, I'd been going to Liverpool since, you know, the early 60s. You'd never seen as many flags on the cop as you did that night. It was just, you know, you just knew something special would happen. And there you were to deliver it, my friend, which is uh, quite a nice moment, to say the yeah, least. Yeah, I mean... It, it, it's fantastic, obviously, to, to, to get an opportunity to get on there and, and, and thinking when you're watching the game initially, you're thinking you've got nerves, you know, how it might pan out and what have you. Uh, but when Bethany scored, I mean, he really did put the, you know, he, he, just, he really put the, the pin in the balloon because it, it just went so flat. He thought from, gosh, we, we were one goal away from getting through until he scores. And at that point, now, now you need two against the team who were really, you know, they were, they were, they were top draw. Mm. And, 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 and I, I suppose again, the way it pans out and the dramatic sort of lateness of it as well. It's a remarkable thing. And I suppose when you're part of a high like that, and you know, this is your second campaign as such with the first team and the first one ends in, in, in success, uh, league titles and, and then, and then, and Europeans and the second one ends in success, another league title, a European cup that you very much significantly contribute to, uh, a run in the FA cup as well. But I mean, there's, there's frustration as well uh, in those early days because despite the fact that you 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 do so well when you're involved, um, I read a quote from you now. It's probably about a little bit later on, but even it, it's probably appropriate here. You said you you reckon that there were times at Liverpool when I felt like I had to do so much in a short period of time to prove myself, and dropping me after one or two starts always seemed like the easy option. On occasions, I felt like saying something, but I guess it's a legacy of playing for a club you love, and I didn't want to create a stink. Uh, there were players in similar situations who went to see the manager, but I just tried to prove myself on the pitch. So you had that sort of 
I guess, old fashioned sort of respect uh, for the situation and a determination to get out of it. But it must have been tough when you are involved in massive games and actually the reason why Liverpool are progressing in the European Cup and then not to get picked for Wembley. Um, uh, but when Bob Hazy drops you for Ian Callaghan and, 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 uh, you know, the, the final is lost. An awful lot of people went on to question that particular decision, Dave. Yeah, I, I was very disappointed. I mean, um, having played in the semi-final against Everton in both both games, the draw, and then the when we get through, and you play in the European Cup semi-final, um, you know, you you know, you know the manager's got to juggle certain players. Um, and as I've, I've told, the, I've told the full tale. Uh, you know. I'm not saying he promised me, but he told me I was playing in the FA Cup final. Um, you know, he lets me down, but by in letting me down, he says, but don't, don't get upset. You're playing next. He said, I'm going to be needing you. He said, you'll be, you'll be playing in the Cup final. So it's a kind of unfair, whether or not he, he shouldn't have said that. He shouldn't probably have said that in, in hindsight. You know, let, let, let me down, but don't use that type of tactic to, to sort of, to then build you up and say, well, okay. I can take the disappointment of not playing a Coventry, but it doesn't matter because in two weeks' time I'm going to be in the cup final anyway. So you just, you know, you, you just sort of pulled along a little bit, aren't you? You know, and uh, and that's the, 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 the kind of moments like that really sort of got me very annoyed about you know how I was treated really, and I, did, I didn't really, I can never, I could never turn around and say, you know, I can see why he did it. I, I often feel it was unfair. And I mean, it's, 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 it's interesting to hear that because I think an awful lot of people, um, uh, f- kind of for the reasons that you didn't at the time, um, um, in, in the aftermath, they don't want to rock the boat. And, uh, you know, um, Bob Hezzy is, is, is sort of such a revered figure, but it's, it is nice to hear. Like an awful lot of people have told me about their issues, say with Kenny, uh, Paul Walsh was, was interesting on that topic. Um, when they fell out, they fell out and that was that. And, uh, even, even John Aldridge said something similar under his time uh, 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 with Kenny as manager. And people don't generally hear these stories. It is interesting mm. to hear, to hear your take on Bob Paisley. Because like I say, I mean, I suppose there was, he, he, he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who would have had a stand up row with you anyway about anything. Well, he, he, he wouldn't, well, he wouldn't have a stand up row with me as such, but he, I've seen him have a, a couple of stand up rows with, 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 with other people. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's difficult probably to, to say over here one one thing, but he, he says, you know, I might be a modest Geordie, but get me in a corner. He said, I'm a vicious, and uh, he was, he was, he was, you know, he was a feisty man. I mean, there's no two ways about it, and that's that's. Uh, I mean, he, he was an unassuming man, um, and and he, he lacked certain things, but he, he was he was confident. He could be confrontational, and he was and he was strong. And uh, he had a reputation. He had a reputation, and uh, I mean, I, I fully, you know, I, I have great respect for Bob Paisley. Great respect for Bob Paisley. But there, there were, I have, I have enough reasons as well to be, feel very disappointed how how he treated me. But um, no, he, he was um, he, he wasn't a mild mannered. Um, he wasn't mild mannered all the time. Uh, I, I can say that sort of with a smile on my face. He he. Um, he, he could have his moments. He used to come in. We used to have a, a session where we'd come into the gym when the, these multi-gym things came out. Liverpool got a, a multi-gym, so the players would come in and do a, a circuit around the, the multi-gym using all the various equipment and that. And in the corner of the room, they had these two punch balls. And uh, I think they were one was a speed ball, which boxers 
are very, you know, very good at uh, using. And he would come in while we were doing this session, and he used to take off on this. And, and we, we used to all think he'd done it for a reason. He'd done this to show that, you know, how good he is on this, on this speedball, because he was fantastic. He was like a professional boxer on this, on this speedball. He could Brilliant. keep it going for minutes. It's fantastic. And he was only a small fella as well. He had a fantastic technique, and we, 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 you know, the lads when we get together, even now, we recall how he, he was brilliant at, at, at that. And and I think in in his mind, I think he had a he had a, there was method in the fact that you know he did it because he was showing that he he could look at, he could look after himself and don't take him for you know as a mug so to speak. That's fantastic. I love that idea of the symbolism of that. That's brilliant. I mean, I, and I, I can't recommend enough that people go and read Super Sub. If you, if you're listening to this, go and, go and get that book because it's, 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 it's a fantastic read. And just one more thing Very on the Bob Pace, the, Bob Pace. Oh, no, I, I genuinely mean that. It's just, it's a, it's a wonderful read, really insightful. And like you say, there's so much more detail there that you can go into when, when you're reading that. But there was one thing that in, in relation to his relationship with the rest of the players, um, a quote from you as well that I read where you, you reckon that um Paisley wouldn't really say anything about a mistake at half time. He said that was all you, you you reckon that was all done by the players in the pitch. Um it was policed by the players. So the manager never had to come in really. You say if I misplaced the pass I knew I'd get a bollocking off Ray Kendi, Alan Kendi soon as whoever. Um, yeah. that was really that was really interesting to read because I remember thinking um you know, an awful lot of guys who who have interviewed say that, you know, it's that, that idea of self policing is like, you know, you knew um Basically, you'd be looked after, looked after if, if if that was if that was required, and you would get down the banks or a bollocking if that was required. Because in, and in that way, it kind of looked after itself, uh, and it could facilitate a, a, a quieter man. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it was probably pretty easy for him in many ways to to manage because they, they weren't a troublesome lot. I mean, the, the lads had a you know had a great social life, a lot of good mates, and there was a lot of a lot of fun and, and what have you, but it never they they rarely overstepped the mark and never gave gave him any real reason to get too sort of uh, confrontational with, with with the guys. And and as as you say there, I mean half times and I can never remember them coming in. Uh, we got beat we got beat by Chelsea in the, in the cup one time, um, uh, and then the same season it must have been about seventy eight. And we got we got knocked out that we got we lost in the league and I remember him kind of losing his temper that that day. That wasn't that. I don't have any real memories of him ever sort of getting that excited in in, in the dressing room. Maybe we were lucky because we didn't lose that often. But um, but if things were going wrong at half time, it, they never got excitable. You know, Ronnie might Ronnie might be Ronnie Moran. He might have been the probably the most sort of vocal of uh, of the three Joe. And, uh, and, and the boss. But, um, they, they were, they were quite, um, they, they were quite controlled and nice and, uh, you know, nice and calm about it. And, and there was, you know, there was never any great excitement, I think, which is, you know, maybe a, a major reason why, you know, it, it was all so sort of, uh, it was very machine-like. It just rolled on and rolled on. And then players would come into the team, which I think the players have missed in recent years. You you came into the side when I came into the team, for example. You had Hughes and Smith, people to look look up to, and Keegan. And then in the years that followed, people had Dalgleish and Sunes, Thompson, and there was always this thing, this wheel that was forever sort of uh, 
going around and it was just being you know just kept going by the by the experienced players and and so it it kind of took an awful lot off the managers i think yeah, absolutely. I I think that's a really really important point that people, you know, the, there's the 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 mythos of the boot room, but again, as you say, when you've got so many quality, experienced, and and just you know, um, lads who have a bit about them uh, in the playing staff, that yeah, it's it's kind of self perpetuating. It keeps rolling from one squad to the next with with a bit of crossover. I mean, that season, uh, Dave, your, your second season proper. Ends in the European Cup final, and 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 you're you're in Rome, you're 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 a sub in Rome. Did you feel kind of more part of that setup on on the on the night? Well, you know, the, the stranger when you look back on it and, and you see how how teams use sub the substitutes now. I mean, Bob Paisley didn't use a substitute on the night against uh, Munch and Gladbach. Um, you know, before the game, he had this thing that he he would use me. Um, I warmed up actually. At one stage, I was coming on. And um, Tommy Smith then scored the the second goal. That put a pay to my to my opportunities. He, you know, the the word was then after I'd warmed up, run up and down the line a few times. It was okay to just sit down for a minute and just we'll just see how this goes. Uh, and it obviously went from strength to strength. Once we got our noses ahead two one, we never looked like losing that game. So he just kept things, uh, you know, same as. So um, uh, it, it it was. Um, you know, it, it was a, there were one or two situations that, that, that felt, you know, felt right, you know, felt, felt right for Bob Paisley, I, I think. But the, the, the group was, you know, it, it, there's such, there's such strength of character and personalities in there. In those early days, uh, Dave, it was, it was so soon after, um, you know, the departure of, um, arguably the, the sort of modern father of the club in, in, in Bill Shankly. I mean, was, was his presence still felt around the place? Obviously, an awful lot of the footballers would have played for him and would have been his, uh, recruits as such or have come through under him. Mm-hmm. Um, was he actually around? Uh, I, I've read stories that he used to turn up occasionally at training and stuff like that. And, ah, they're kind of <laughs> almost, almost tinged with a little bit of sadness almost because you, you, you get the feeling that the, the man went too early. I mean, what, what was your yeah. feel about that at the time? Well, I, I would say, you know, at the right, at the right, start, he, he went too early. There's absolutely, you know, there's no doubt that he went too early. And um, I mean, he he was such a, a, a passionate man. It was unbelievable. His enthusiasm w- was striking. You know, to to be around him and when he spoke, nobody spoke back at him. He, you you listened, and and for us young, for young lads to be around him when he spoke to you, I mean, you know. He, the hairs on your on your neck did sort of, you know, he was he had such a presence. He was such a a positive man. He, there was never any negativity uh, about him, and uh, and he was very much the man. Nobody said anything against Shanks. So it was it was a massive it was a massive um, announcement when when uh, when he left. And people have seen down the years, you know, how fans sort of thought about it. The players were rocked, really, really, and they couldn't believe it. And we all, we all found out by you know, the same way, you know, by via newspapers and, and radio, it was it was just unbelievable. Um, but then Bob comes in on the the first morning of training and he makes this announcement. <laughs> I was there among, with everybody else, and he says, you know, I didn't want the, I don't know what you're all looking at me for. I didn't want the job in the first place. And everyone's, <laughs> kind, of like, everyone's kind of taken by surprise. You know, you think, what's he, you know, what's well, this about? I was only a young lad. I'm only uh, only in the reserves and all that. But everybody's like. It was a bit of a stunned silence, you know. Yeah. 
Well, you go out, you go out to train. We go out to train at the start of the season, and Shanks is there. You know, he, he's all he's changed like he would have been normally um, out on the training field. And this went on for probably a couple of weeks, uh, maybe 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 more actually, maybe more uh, a few weeks. Um, we're out training, and Shanks was there, and he'd be walking around like you know, you've got. All the coaches, because we were doing uh, pre-season training, so a lot, all the coaches are all off, we're all in, in big spaces. A lot of players on the on the on the areas there, and Shanks is in amongst, just like nothing had happened, nothing had changed. And we'd be walking up to you. I remember him uh, one particular morning. I was standing near Peter Thompson at the time. He was on his way out. I'm standing, out and, and Shanks walked up and, and and began talking. How are you doing, boys? You know, um, it, it was just unbelievable. And you were aware that people were turning around saying, someone tell him to, you know, he can't, he can't be doing this. The, the players were beginning to get really embarrassed. To, you know, who do we, what do we call him? We call him boss. We call, call Bob Paisley now boss. It was, it was, it was a very difficult time for, uh, for the club. You know, it was really, it was really difficult. I don't know who actually got the job of saying he can't come down anymore, but I've heard tapes since by Shanks. He, he, he was obviously, he was really, Devastated, really, that he he couldn't go down there no more. Yeah, yeah, that always struck me as a yeah, it always struck me as a very, very sad sort of a a way for things to to end and and yeah. uh, unnecessarily so. Like it just seems to be in a lack of communication. Probably like probably with the best will in the world, probably people not wanting to hurt anyone's feelings and it just drags out. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think it was so powerful. You know, nobody really was. It wasn't a case of you no. Know, sometimes you see things wrong, and someone somebody said, "I'll tell." Them. You know, you know, I'll tell so and so, and you always get somebody who's willing to sort of pass on a message. Nobody seems, you know, sort of strong enough to go and deliver this message to to Shanks because he was what he was. You know, he was absolutely, you know, he was a demigod. I mean, he was just an amazing man. So I don't know who delivered it. I've never found out who delivered the message. It, may, it might have come from Peter Robinson, I, I, I think, and because then he, he just didn't then appear, and um, you know. Very, uh, very sad time. You would imagine it would have taken someone of that sort of uh, level of, of importance at the club to even sort of su- suggest it to him. Um, yeah, it, was, it probably was someone of that level. I mean, these Dave, we are we're making very slow progress through your career here because there's so much <laughs> to talk about. And uh, like we're, in, we're into season three, seventy seven, seventy eight, and uh, with, your, at the, with the first team and. Another bloody ridiculously successful season where you get to a European Cup final at the end, but it starts off very successfully with you as you score a goal in each leg of the European uh, Super Cup um, yeah. final, which which is against uh, your Ham- departed comrade Kevin Keegan and his Hamburg. Yeah. That yeah, must have been great, quite great, a buzz. Uh, you know, obviously, the fact that Kevin had left, Kenny now comes in and, uh, you know, um, he's going to make a huge impact at the club. And, uh, and Kevin thought he'd moved on to, to, to greater things. Um, didn't think that he'd probably return to Anfield and get, get stuffed 6-0. You know, that was, uh, that was a memorable game. And, you know, you look back on Liverpool's thing, moments in, in sort of even in just my little career. Um, you know, some of the things that get forgotten about, but that was an, that was an incredible night to beat Hamburg 6-0. It was quite a bit of a tasty team. You know, uh, we're enjoying, Great success in Germany and and even in Europe and uh, and we go and smash them out of sight. And for 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 you to have 
uh, scored goals in in that UEFA Super Cup final, like you know, in 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 both of the legs. Yeah. You must you must be thinking, right? This season's starting off really well because, of course, as you mentioned there, it, it, you 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 just see off Kevin Keegan and you, you're thinking, okay, I'm in, and then here comes bloody Kenny Dalglish uh, yeah. to sort of add to the the competition once more, and we're, we're pre in rush at this stage, but David Johnson's there and. I suppose it, it, it does end up being a very, very good season for you, nonetheless, in terms of appearances and goals scored, right? Yeah, it did. I mean, it, it was it was a year that was tough. I lost my dad in that summer, and um, you know, you can only, you know, it's one of those things that um, you you look for an inspiration of some sort, and um, and maybe that was it. That you know, um, you know, things were all very, you know, on a, on a personal front. Uh, you know, life life changed dramatically. So so I was fortunate because I managed to, to get into the team and 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 started to you know there, there was a positive you know I got a, a, a positive response. I, I started playing well, got into a bit of a role, and it took my mind off you know what was you know what was going on uh, at home. Obviously, my mum was left with a young with my young sister. So so it was a good year, and um, I just just wanted it to. You know, to to maybe maybe be that time. Just ex- hope that it was going to be the time that I was really then going to consolidate a a position in the team. And like twenty nine league appearances and ten goals in that in that campaign, it means that you are very much part of of Bob Paisley's first team thoughts. And even though the the league title I think goes to to Forest, um, that remarkable Forest side that come from nowhere really, um. Uh, for to be dominant for a couple of years with you guys as as the the main sides in England, like there, you still do end up uh, as part of a European um, uh, Cup winning team. Uh, what wh- what was your contribution to the to the run to the to the Bruges final where Kenny scores in that one nil? Yeah, I um, I don't think I played in the quarter final. I think that well substitute in in the Benfica. I think it was. And then we get uh, Munching Lab back in the semis, and um, again I'm, I'm I was substituting in there. Um, but after after the Munching Lab back game, um, I think David in, David uh, Johnson gets injured, and I get a little bit of a run in the team. Um, I'm a bit of a frustrated because I thought I'd I'd lost my that was you know that was one of them times. It was just after uh, after Christmas '78, and, and I lost my uh, I lost. Uh, well, I went out to see him, lost my position for a while, and I seemed to be out the picture a little bit. But thankfully, I, I came back in. Um, when you look back on, you know, when I look back on it and and think, you know, about you know scoring goals and keeping fit and all that time, it, was, it wasn't easy sort of coming in and out of the team because, you know, as, as we find now, you, you hear it more often. People, you know, you need a run of games to keep yourself fit if you. Coming in, chopping and changing, all those type of things. It wasn't the perfect sort of build-up to, to to put your best form together and and get, and get some real consistency. So it, it was a, it was a, it was a trying year, but it, it ended up finishing quite well, um, or very well. In '78, probably the highlight of my career, playing in the European Cup final. Yeah, I mean, you you, you start that game. Um, it's you know my sort of gateway into being a Liverpool fan. I'm I'm aware of the build up and I get to see it on the T V and um I'm sure I'm not alone in that. And of course, uh for a lot of us then there's the emergence of of of, of Kane Delgate as a hero, which I'm sure you'll uh, uh have heard many, many times. But 
to be part of that side um, made you, for for me and for a lot like me, a very kind of a significant figure in our youth watching Liverpool. And um, how how like on the night, um, it must have been. You know, it's it's only a few short years since you've broken into that side, and you're parading around with a European Cup lifting it over your head. I mean, that's that is the stuff that you must have been thinking about when you were knocking about on the streets as a nipper. Yeah, I mean, I remember. Uh, when I was growing up, you, you saw very little live football, but you, we did often see the European Cup final. Um, and like many lads who've gone on to play football, you, you dream about playing an FA Cup final uh, at Wembley. Um, obviously, you want to play in those type of games. So it, it was it was in, it was incredible to to initially when when you, you find out that the the European Cup final that year is going to be at Wembley, it doesn't kind of have the same. Excitement as the Bernabeu, for example, because you can play at Wembley. Well, that time we were getting used to going to Wembley on a regular basis. Um, but you know, at, at the end of the day, it's the European Cup final. And when you when you realise and you're there at the European Cup final, and you, and you you know the amount the the amount of people are across the world that are going to be watching this game, it, it's just you know, I mean, obviously, it's only the World Cup final probably I think that, that, that can rival the European Cup final. And this thing that that sort of goes on to sort of characterise the rest of your time at the club, this idea of, you know, everyone can see that you're well worth your place in the team. And yet quite often between then and, and when you when you leave in eighty three, you're not on the team. Um when when an awful lot of, of people were thinking, Well what, why isn't he? Because your ratio of goal scoring is ridiculous for a guy who you, as you say yourself, has has had these broken spells and 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 just as you're getting into a bit of form and like you say, it would have been your dream to play against uh, against United in the FA Cup that time and it it's it's kind of taken away from you and to, to maintain that average, it, you, like it's a it's a hell of an achievement Dave, to to have 55 goals and 100 and whatever it is 50 odd games. It's a remarkable one in three average for for a fella to to have maintained over that broken sort of um, period uh, across your career, what, what, that must be a source of pride. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd, I'd, been a, I'd been used to scoring goals as a, as a kid. I wasn't a nat- I was I was a natural goal scorer, but I wasn't the, the John Aldridge and Rush type necessarily who, 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 who did most of their work in, in, the, in the box. I, I, I like to be probably, if I could sort of even, you know, I was kind of, I was one of those players who were happy to do work out wide, you know, and, and then still get a fair share of goals. I wanted to be involved in the game. I wanted to dribble and all those type of things. And there have been other players who played for Liverpool who just were happy to stand in the six yard box and, and, and you know, and, and tap, and tap them in. So, um, so given the, the style of player that I was, because I wasn't a natural centre forward, I don't think at any, at any time. It, it, it is, you know, I'm very proud to, you know, I've said, you know, I'm very proud just to have played for Liverpool, but to, to have left a mark and to have scored the goals that I that I did um, make me make me happy. But I, as well, there's a, a touch of sort of frustration that you know I, I wish it, it I wish and could, it could have been better. You know, I really that 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 kind of still still niggles away at me that I felt um, I could have been better, should have, and I should have done more. And you know, so so. Happy in one sense, a little bit sort of, um, you know, disappointed in another. 
I suppose for what it's worth, an awful lot of us who were watching on would have felt that it was hardly your fault because when you were called on to do the job, you did it. Um, it's 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 a it's a a rough kind of couple of years for you then in terms of, uh, um, as you say, uh, g- you know, getting that continued chance, seventy eight, seventy nine, it's back to winning the league. But I I I think in that campaign, there's probably not enough performances for you to, to, to grab a medal for that year. Um, the yeah. following year, though, is a little bit back on track, you know, in terms of league games scored. Um, I, I'm sorry, league games um, where you make an appearance. I mean, what, what, over those two campaigns, you must have, as, as a guy who's, like I say, um, proven that he can do it on the big stage, you must have thought and flirted with the idea of moving away. Yeah, a couple of times. I mean, even... Even when my, my dad was still alive, he, he was very disappointed how 1977 had panned out. The, the summer of 77 was was disappointing, and um, you know made made a statement. He, he said, I, "I think you you're probably always going to get the rough end of the stick," kind of thing. And I don't know whether or not he, he probably should have said that, but it, it kind of was a little bit how it panned out. And um, I think you know had I had some guidance over the next couple of years, you know who who knows how it would have. How it might have, uh, how it might have changed, but it was, it was that the period of, you know, being without, you know, my dad and uh, and you know, you, you kind of struggle for for real sort of advice, you know, and the, the right type of advice. So, um, uh, there were bids along the way, but because you know the situation that we were in, my mum and my sister were at home. We were living in a council house still. Um, Cantrell Farm. Uh, it's very. It's you know. You, it's the last thing you want to do is is kind of just say, well, I, I'm going because of, of because of football, you know. And, and I think though that had a little bit to do with the, um, you know, with the with the spell where I thought at times, well, maybe I might be better off playing somewhere else. But you so, know, so the 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 absence of your dad was kind of. Um, it was it was a, there was a twofold impact really from what you're saying there like you, you kind of missed you missed his guidance but also you kind of felt an added responsibility to your mom and your sis is that is that basically what, what well, you mean yeah by that? you know we, yeah. yeah we we were still, we, st- we were still living in a council house as I say in in you know, on a on a council you know notorious council estate um you know it, it was hard to just sort of to even think well I'm just gonna sort of off we go because we we're all we were all trying to get to grips with you know how our life had changed, you know, it was, um, it, it, it's kind of very, you know, very, um, very difficult spell. It wasn't easy to just turn, you know, I certainly wasn't the type to, to, to say to my mum, well, sorry, mom, I'm, I'm going, I'm, I'm, I'm moving to Nottingham or moving to Birmingham or somewhere like that. You know, it, it sort of, um, didn't really enter into my head, really, even though there were occasional, Occasional sort of you know, rumors that you know the clubs were, were were interested and ready to take me. Yeah, and, and no doubt they were. Um, I mean, like eventually, it's it, 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 it the run lead, leads up as far as eighty two, eighty three, and I I, I think uh, eventually then you, you do part ways with the club. But I mean, I I, I can't help but think, uh, Dave, that you, there, there's another factor here as well. I mean, you've run up against um Dalglish and the emergence of Rush and yeah. I mean again if if you were um knocking on the door of the toughest partnership uh, at the start of your career 
then there's only there's only a year or two's grace before the next one, um, which is probably the most famous of all in Liverpool's history. I mean, and trying yeah. to get a game there is is tough. Neither of the neither of those two players missed much time through injury no, for various never. reasons. Like they didn't miss games, so. Um, you must have felt sort of perpetually uh, frustrated by that um, standard ahead of you. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd had, a, I'd had a, unfortunately, I'd picked up an injury, which you were, you know, which really was was a bit of a, a nightmare to, to to get over. And once Liverpool kind of had in that, oh, Bob Paisley seems to have in his mind that I, I was not quite as explosive as. As I once was as a, as, a, as a younger lad before the knee injury, it was very difficult to, to change his mind as to, you know, uh, as how I was going to get back in. So we we came up with this plan to um, for me to play some football in in the summer rather than have a holiday, and uh, and hopefully I would um, you know get a, maybe a, a, another crack of the whip at, uh, once once that. Had been, had been, uh, had, had, had gone through that. So come back from uh, from Toronto, um, I, w- I was committed to, to coming back to Liverpool. I, I think there was a, you know, the, there is the story, the fuller story is not quite simple. But I was determined that I was going to come back to Liverpool. Came back, and I wanted to prove myself that I was, you know, that I was worthy of a place. And I did get a few, I did get a little bit of a run. I, I, one of, the, one of the first appearances I make, I came on as uh, against Norwich in the in the League Cup and scored. I think that got me a little bit back into Bob Paisley's thoughts, and I, I ended up sort of having a little bit of a run in the um, uh, through that through that year, enough to qualify for a league medal. But in the summer that I was away, they uh, they bought David Hodgson, and now David Hodgson was was then another hurdle to get to get past. David Johnson had left. Now David Johnson, David Hodgson was the the kind of the the replacement or the stand-in for uh, for Kenny and Rushy. Uh, that's where I needed to be. So there was an extra competition there, and it was it was it was clear probably that the David Hodgson wasn't quite you know the player that uh, that Liverpool needed because um, I left in '83, and I think he left he left in '83 as well. I think um, Hodgie never really got that much of a of a Liverpool career, but um, I, I did think at, at that point, having gone through what I had with my experience with Toronto Blizzard and coming back to Liverpool, I thought, now Rushy and, and Kenny are settled, and I need to go and stand on my own two, stand on my own two feet. And talk to me a little bit about that parting of the ways. And like I say, I say it to everybody. I ask everyone about how they how they arrived, and I ask everybody about how they left as well. And there's various uh, levels of acrimony involved, even when you, when you th- when you think it's going to be uh, just a, a nice quiet story or a little simple yeah. um, departure. Quite often, there's wranglings about cash and things like that. How how did it pan out for you as as, as you, yeah. you you finally parted ways with Liverpool? Yeah, I don't think any 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 players ever left Liverpool to a fanfare of trumpets. I think there's yeah, everyone yeah. that goes. It, everybody, no matter who it is, it doesn't just it doesn't happen the way you want it to happen. Um, and um, I, I actually I got the I got the feeling that that maybe if there was a, if there was a decent bid for me that they would they would have accepted it, even though I was kind of still stubborn enough to to think, well, you know, I might just convince them that I, that I am good enough but ultimately deep down I, I, I thought no I'm, I'm going to be going I'm going to be going here and then when they, they made me a contract offer that I, I thought 
now that the, the signs are there. They they don't value me like that they once they once did. And I, I said no, I'm not, I'm not you know I'm not happy with that offer. Uh, I could have stayed. Bob Paisley was leaving. Um, they offered me another two year contract, but the but the terms weren't sort of that 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 sort of it just didn't give you the feeling that they they saw me as a long term uh you know as, as part of the future and uh and so i thought no well i think i'm gonna i think i'll leave and um and then it's in the paper i i, I said to well i said to bob paisley on the morning i said well i'll think about it but i hadn't i hadn't um I, in my own mind i knew that i wasn't going to sign as I'll tell you tomorrow. Now it was on a Thursday. Friday morning, I opened the paper, and it was on the paper, uh, Liverpool to, to to let me go. So they'd already, whether or not, I don't think I told them. I'm certain I didn't tell them on that day that I wasn't going to sign. But I, I probably gave them the impression that it didn't suit. And they announced it in the paper. They announced it to the paper. Uh, whether Bloody not, hell. He, he couldn't, whether or not he couldn't hold his own water, Bob Paisley. But the next morning, I opened the Daily Mail, and on the, and on the back, he's saying uh, Liverpool set to release Fairclough, and and I thought I hadn't even given my, I hadn't given my, the, the final answer. Um, you know, the offer was still there. Um, at which point I said, well, that that's it then. You know, uh, and I, I was disappointed in a way, but it, it started something. It started a very interesting, um, a very interesting summer. I had some interest from English clubs, particularly Manchester City. I'd spoken to Tony Book, who was manager at Manchester City at the time. And um, City, I have to say, I'd always had a soft spot for City as a, as a kid. Uh, never Manchester United, but always Manchester City. I always thought, you know, that they, they and I used to play well against Man City, strangely. Um, I thought that wouldn't be a bad, might be a bad option. And they'd been rumoured to be interested in me on numerous occasions. Um, anyway, I went off on holiday and then, you know, and, more sort of a, I get a more interesting phone call from a uh, an Austrian football agent and uh, kind of got me involved in, um, in in going over to Switzerland. And that's that's the start, Dave, of, of such. A, you still got a lot of years left as a professional. I mean, you know, you, you play yeah. until until ninety one, and you've got yeah. your two two years at Luzerne, and is it two or three years uh, at Beveren as well? And you yeah. play for Tranmere and Norwich and Oldham. What were the highlights of those remaining years? Um, I, I enjoyed my first year in in Lucerne was 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 great. It was a great experience. A fabulous place to live. Um, it was such an education from from living in Liverpool at the time. Liverpool was going through a tricky period. It wasn't it wasn't the greatest place uh, in the country to live at the time. We'd had the riots and all those type of things. Liverpool was a bit was a bit was a bit depressing. I, th- I felt so to go to somewhere like Switzerland, which was like the height of you know sophistication, was was absolutely unbelievable. It, it gave me it gave me a real boost to uh, to, to go to a place like that and um, and, and an exciting start to a, a new a new life. So really enjoyed really enjoyed that. It was a, it was a little bit of a pity the, the way that it came to an end. Um, but players players do that with you know with managers that they, they get um, you know you, you get involved in issues and and one one thing or another shouldn't have left Lucerne. But there, there were some English clubs chasing me. Um, a couple of English clubs had come on. Southampton, namely, um, 
one or two others, uh, Everton expressed a little bit of an interest, strangely. So um, all of a, all of a sudden, I got a little bit disenchanted with uh, with Lucerne, which you know came as a time when I was having a little bit of a, a rumble with the uh, with the manager with the coach as well. So um, I, I get enticed back to England, but realise that then England is not well. In that year that I get, I come back. I scored two against Liverpool in the League Cup for Oldham, which was, um, you know, which was fantastic. Liverpool in those days as well had a, um, they put their full team out. It was their double year. Uh, I think only two players scored two goals against them in in, in a game that year. Tony Cotty and me. Uh, yeah. I think was it was it me and Tony Cotty or the, um, oh, what's his name, uh, Frank uh, McAvenny. Frank uh, McAvenny. I w- it was either one of the West Ham, one of the West Ham lads scored two against them, and I scored two. So I was really uh, that that was great. That was a highlight. I I re- I, re- I remember that so well, Dave. I remember that so well. I I remember thinking, why is this guy not still with us? Uh, it really, you know, as you say, it was the double year, and okay, things were going well, but you t- you took every defeat badly as Liverpool fan back then, and 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 to see you involved, and it was like ah, it just it did stick in the craw a little bit. It must have been a nice little moment for you though. Yeah, it was. It was good. A couple of years ago, I met Paul Scholes for the first time, and uh, you know, I was told this, he was told the story. He didn't realise how much he liked me, uh, Scouser, scoring two against Liverpool, uh, <laughs> which was uh, which was nice. And nice to have been a uh, a little bit of a uh, sort of a, a kind of a Paul Scholes idol. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Paul's a big Oldham fan, and uh, he was grow he was growing up obviously at that point as a as an Oldham fan. And, um, but that, that was good. But then I needed, I, I did realize that I would wait, you know, playing in second division with Oldham, not playing as, as well, not playing as much as I, I wanted to because they had Mick Quinn and, um, Ron Futcher up, up front for them. And, um, you know, they're not a bad partnership. I'll be honest. In the champion, in the, in the first division, they were, they were a decent partnership, those two. Um, but, um, I thought I needed to get to Europe. Again, I thought we, we enjoyed living in Europe. So I went to Belgium and, um, my first year in Belgium was, was fantastic. I really, really, you know, I really enjoyed it. Uh, my son was born there and, um, we have, you know, sparked off a, a great relationship that I have, I still have with Belgium who are regularly in contact with me. And those, those, those years there at Belgium, I mean, uh, you're you're well known to m- many of us now as well for your your analysis of the game, and you seem to get straight into uh, doing bits and pieces of, of that of that nature. Was it something you were thinking about as you were winding down the the playing days, as coming towards the the early nineties? Was that a, a thing that you always thought you might get into, as opposed to yeah, management was, or? Yeah, when I was in school, I remember uh, doing a thing uh, writing about. That was an ambition. I wanted to be a sports uh, reporter, journalist. Um, you know, when you get asked to, to do, what are you going to do when you when you grow up? Kind of thing in school. Uh, yeah. I always thought I had probably more chance of doing that than than being a, a footballer. Uh, to, to be honest, because because I say I wasn't in an environment that it, it was an obvious sort of progression. Um, so when I when I was in my uh, in my last year at, at Tramia, I I went to college. I sought out a um, a course, and I, and I went to um, I went to college and did um, uh, journalism, um, article writing, and uh, and, and uh, photography to for um, and then took a 
took a qualification in, in that world and that, that got me off in doing writing and things, which I uh, I loved. I've had some had some great years and I'm probably a bit frustrated. I, I've kind of I've, I've nipped it in the bud a little bit. I, you know, I've stopped doing more than I, you know, I stopped doing it more than I, I should do. You used to contribute regularly to the LFC website, the official website, with a column at one stage, isn't that right? Yeah, before before they before the the, the TV went full time, and I was I was kind of I was appearing on then I started appearing on screen a bit more with Liverpool TV. I thought it was kind of wasting kind of the, the you know material that I wrote for I wrote for a few seasons, and uh, I enjoyed it. I, you know, set out my I used to set out a little bit of a routine. I used to I used to have it done. Uh, Tuesday, Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday, Wednesday morning, and um, it was it was it was it was something I I enjoyed, yeah. And I've done done a few other things. I wrote for the News of the World for for uh, a few seasons, doing match reports and things, uh, which was really exciting. It was um, it was everything that I wanted to, uh, everything I wanted uh, to do. I remember sitting in the uh, I was in the uh, the box at uh, the journalist uh, the the press room. For Blackburn versus Bournemouth, um, can't remember what year it was, and the game looked like it was petering out to a, a nil-nil draw, uh, and um, there was a, a late goal in the last minute, and uh, Alan Thompson, who was a famous journalist with the with the Daily Express for many years, turned around and said, "Now we ho- now you know why we used to hate you so much," which. <laughs> <laughs> and got a you know did you have to rewrite all your copy having had it all written down as a draw. <laughs> it was then a dramatic uh, a dramatic cup win. So uh, <laughs> it was good. I was kind of I was kind of embraced by the by the journals. They, they were they were really it, it was great. You know being in the uh, being in that environment. It was a really Ooh. big thrill. Which your journalist scoop. Uh, hat on you and to, to, to draw this to a close because I want to let you get back to your life uh, you've been very no generous, with, generous with your time but with that journalistic sort of hat on you with your own experiences as a, you know, a, a bona fide legend of the club wh- wh- where do you think things stand at the moment? First of all we'll make it a two-parter just to finish this out what do you think would be the, the reasonable expectations for this campaign and do you think the second part and uh, this current manager is very much on track? Yeah I, I, I love Jürgen Klopp I, I love Jürgen Klopp at Dortmund, um, and always felt that he would be the, the a manager for Liverpool. He is just his passion and his enthusiasm. It, it's what we we thrive on. Uh, it, it's what he's the type of person who I think scousers take to. I, th- I think he you know he, he loves it and he and he gets and he gets it. You know, I mean, he I've heard him say himself. I, I mean, I, I live quite close to Jürgen. Um, that uh, you know, that Liverpool was if he, if he could have chose a club, Liverpool he always had in the back of his mind. Liverpool was the club. He's such a natural fit for us, and and I think he's definitely moving in the right direction. I think I think he he does it his way though. I mean, I know we we live in a we live in a in that sort of society. If it's if it's broken, get a new one kind of thing far too quickly. I don't think Jürgen is is that type. Jürgen builds and and in a, in a you know can we say a Germanic kind of way and in a you know he has a method and 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 he, and he goes through it and he's not he's not kind of he's not sort of influenced by speculation and all those type of things and um, and I think we're we're moving in the right direction. I think we're on an upward curve. I really do. 
do you reckon there's a potential of, of another big ears a trophy you were very familiar with appearing at the end of this campaign or, is it, or do you think that's just a little bit of a bridge too far at this stage no not at all I think of, of all the teams in Europe I think nobody will want Liverpool in the, in the next round of Champions League absolutely certain of that no one will be comfortable getting Liverpool because you know I think anybody who's you know we've all seen how great we can be this year we have our little frailties but equally on our day, we can beat anybody in, in, in certainly in the, in the Champions League competition. No, no doubt about it. I think, um, and, and I sense that, you know, that there's a little buzz there. I think people are beginning to think, you know, we, we could really, um, we, we could really have a, a good go at this, the, 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 this year. I, I think, uh, providing, you know, we keep everybody fit and, uh, at the moment we're in good shape. I think there's, 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 there's definitely, uh, We've we've got a chance. We're we're in there fighting very much. So it's not beyond us at all. And that lovely optimistic note is where we'll wrap up this double episode of the interview. I want to acknowledge the contribution of this month's guest, Mr. David Fairclough. It's a really special experience to get a chance to have a proper conversation with a, a genuine Reds legend and get beyond the sound bites and. Have an, when you have an interview subject as, as insightful and generous and articulate as David has been today, that makes the experience all the richer. So a heartfelt thanks to you, David, for your time today. Thank you, Trevor. And my thanks to you, whether you're a subscriber or a trialist, this will have reminded you or confirmed for you that signing up with AI Pro is an excellent decision and one I'd appreciate you recommending to others. I'll be back soon with another legend of Liverpool lore. And in the interim, be good to your fellow Reds and stay safe out there. Network.